Welcome to Elevate with V, a nurturing and collaborative community with the mission of empowering you to overcome challenges and to live your most extraordinary life. I'm your host, V, and through my own healing and transformational journey, I've encountered a wide variety of healers who have all in their own way shared one universal message, that every storm has a silver lining. Join me in each episode as I engage in meaningful conversations to empower us to transform our darkness into purposeful light. On this podcast, we elevate. So let us journey together and be lifted up to our greatest potential. Welcome, everyone, to Elevate with V. So excited to be here with you. So this podcast was inspired by my own healing journey. I aspire to share amazing healers and coaches to help us each elevate on our journey so we can keep aligning with our soul's calling and gifts. I can't wait to introduce my guest today, Akam. We connected on Clubhouse, where he hosts wonderful healing spaces. And I can't wait to learn more about him in our session today. So welcome, Akam. Thanks for having me, V. I'm really excited to be here. Wonderful. So, um, Occam is an energetic health practitioner and trauma recovery facilitator and community leader. He has overcome abuse and adversity and now helps other others heal mind, body, and spirit with a proprietary healing modality called trauma transmutation and soul integration. Wow. Well, we are definitely going to get into that, Occam, soon because uh, I don't know that a lot of people have heard of that. It seems like your custom modality, which I love. So welcome again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about whatever it is that comes up for this conversation. Love that. And I'm an open book. There's no such thing as too much information or too personal for me. I put it all out there. I love that. And, you know, that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is for people to really authentically be able to share their stories because you never know who it's going to touch or who it's going to resonate with. So I absolutely love that. So as you know, this show is all about healing journeys. So I would love to kind of hear from you what event or events kind of led you into your own personal healing journey? Yeah, I mean, it's a long story, you know, but the short version is basically that I was blessed with a traumatic childhood. Um, I was uh, abandoned by my father and then lived with my mom and eight sisters and no brothers. And uh, it was a very poverty, very trailer, trailer parky. And, um, yeah, just the, the circumstances around my youth were really speckled with a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil, a lot of abuse, uh, physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. And that really led to the darkest time of my life, which was my teenage years. Um, I really went uh, dark side. And I thought if uh, nice guys couldn't get ahead, I was going to be a mean guy. And so for the majority of my teenage years, I was actually uh, very much into drugs, alcohol, um, violence, um, crime. I was uh, using and dealing methamphetamines. And so that led to four years of really, really dark stuff, like the stuff you see on shows and the stuff you see on movies. Um, and at the age of 19, I was sitting at the rooftop of a Denny's, which is a, a chain restaurant, trying to stay warm next to their vent while eating from the trash. And I had decided to commit suicide. 
And so I was sitting there with the razor in hand and I just had this like, whose fault is this? Right. And so I went through and I was like, is it my dad's fault for leaving or my mom's fault for being overbearing or my sister's faults for being, you know, psychos or the, 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 the sexual abuser. Was it my cousin? Was it, uh, was it the teachers? Was it the cops that beat me up when I resisted arrest? Was it the drug dealers for getting me hooked? You know? Um, and as I was going through all of this, just contemplating ending it all, I had this kind of epiphany, like a moment of clarity. I'm not sure if it was necessarily the voice of God or just that inner spirit that was like, you're meant for more. But I just realized that the only common denominator in all of those relationships and experiences was me. I was the only one who could say how any of those events impacted me. And so in that moment, I decided not only to live, but to become a product of my past instead of a victim to it. And that meant really owning up to every decision I'd ever made, to fully taking responsibility, even for those things that seemed like they were out of my control because I could still be responsible for how I reacted to them and the choices I made in regards to them. And so I'd be lying if I said I was sober from that day. It took me about a month to get everything together, to leave Colorado. I abandoned everybody I went to high school with. I abandoned my two-year-old son with his mother and uh, their, and her and his new father. And uh, I just had to get away. I had to get away. There was no coming back in that place. And so I chose to start with a clean slate. It was just too much to battle against all of that resistance. And so I loaded up a, a car and I drove all the way up to Oregon from Colorado. And uh, within two days, I was on a commercial fishing boat and I fished for the next two years. And that gave me a lot of alone time, a lot of private time and a lot of inner contemplation. And so that was the start of it. And from there, many, many aspects, including individuals and experiences, all played into where I came from, from there, from that point on. Um, but I, I want to give you a second to, to like, if you had any questions or anything, feedback for that. And then I can kind of tell you how I got out of that. Wow. Okay. That is a lot already. I was like, oh my goodness. And um, so literally it feels like you had this epiphany, like just sitting up there contemplating, getting ready to like take your life and like all these thoughts flooded in. I mean, who knows, maybe it was your higher self or your guides, like allowing some information to come through. Was that one of the first times you had that experience where you could kind of like hear some guidance? Was it the first time that you were still enough to like listen? What was that mm -hmm. like? I don't know that it was the first time because when I was younger, I was very sensitive and very in tune. And uh, I actually had to dull myself down to get to that point. Um, there is one other experience, which is a long story in itself. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm an open book. I have no shame over what I've done because I don't do anything I'm ashamed of. And so um, at the first time it ever happened, I actually didn't know it was happening until reflection. But at the age of 16, I almost murdered a man. And right before pulling the trigger, I heard a voice tell me that I didn't want that soul on my on my conscience that this is a turning point of no coming back and luckily i chose to not kill him and 
I didn't even think about it at the time, but the two people I was with could have just as easily killed me and put me in the hole too. So I'm really glad that it panned out the way it did. But as I reflect back, that incident is actually what has instilled the belief I have about multiple timelines um, because I absolutely believe that in that moment, there was a future self tattooed up and violent and angry and living in prison and most likely on the deathbed of the, the execution chamber. And in that moment, he called back to that 16 year old self. If I could tell my 16 year old self something, what would it be? And it was just to not pull that trigger. And even though that was the beginning of my dark times, it would have been so much different if that had have happened because instead of going to prison, I went to juvie and I was able to, that's really where I got my crime school from. That's where I saw that like angry people and violent people get away with things. And so um, that was the first time that that happened, but I'd be lying if I knew it at the time. It was only through the reflections and the retrospection that I can understand that that was a future self saving me from, from uh, dark deed. Yeah. Wow. So um, just because you mentioned it, um, you obviously had some gifts or other things that were already activated when you were younger. So can you share a little bit about what that was like? What did you experience that you weren't able to either express or understand or? Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't exactly like I've heard some people like I've always seen energy fields and I've always seen angels and stuff. Um, so it wasn't quite that level, but I will say that there was just something that's always underlying around death and pain and suffering that I've just been able to understand that that's not the end of that's not the all of it. Right. Um, my sister was mentally handicapped and physically disabled and many of my, um, foster siblings that my mom cared for also had these disabilities. And so I started to see the way and I lost my faith in God really early, but I always had this faith in universal force. And when I first got turned on to Reiki at the age of uh, 14, after becoming deathly ill, um, I was getting Reiki treatments and they asked me, you know, I was asking about it and they said, How do, what do you think about that? And, and they did something really great. They told me that they were channeling the energy of God, but they told me that I didn't have to believe in God, that all I had to believe was that the sun shines and the grass grows and that there's some transfer of, of energy between that. And I was like, okay, I can get that. And uh, I told them the story about when I was seven years old, my sister had thrown a cat out of the crib and it had a limp and she wasn't going to take it to the vet. And I remember still this day, distinctly, clearly, remember putting my hands on that cat and saying, I don't necessarily believe in God, but whatever Jesus did, let that happen through me. Allow the love of the universe to flow through me and into this animal that I may relieve its pain. And so there were always things like that happening, even though I was experiencing a lot of abuse and, and, and even the sexual abuse at that time. Um, I just had this understanding that we're all interacting with each other. And it was only through the dumbing down of that that allowed me to go to the dark side. You know, I really did have to move away from my uh, my knowing and go, like I said, dark side. I just, it's the only way I can refer to like I went dark side for a while um, so that I could see the light and so that I could come back. So I don't know if that answered the question exactly. No, I, I wanted to kind of touch because I know for a lot of people, um, especially as people who are empaths or, you know, the way that they grew up, 99% of the time you were not able to express or share anything that you were 
kind of seeing from your lens, right? Because there's no space to even talk about it, right? For many different reasons. And so you were aware, and I love how you said that the way that they shared what Reiki was, because it stood out for you that, oh, that's possible without having it connect to something that you might not believe in, right? Um, so you didn't just discount it and throw it out the window like the cat or whatever. Happened, mm -hmm. right? yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that. So, oh my goodness. So you have all these things happen. So kind of coming back to where you left off in your story. Um, and so let's talk about that chapter. What was the next thing that you kind of stepped into? Yeah, so it, uh, it was a journey. It was definitely, I, I say it's a 20 year journey to get to where I am now, I'm 41. And uh, that was, so it's actually a 22 year journey. Um, but those first two years fishing were probably the most important time in my life. Uh, it wasn't like I was getting a bunch of crazy teachings from the gurus or anything. Um, but there was a family unit that took me in. Um, their names were the Cunninghams and, uh, and Evanon. And they were the, the captains that, uh, or Peterson was the captain. And uh, there's just something about the way that this family interacted with each other. It was a kind of unconditional love that I hadn't seen before. And it showed me what a father could be. I had half a dozen ex exper experiences and examples of what not to be. You know, plenty of stepdads that told me what not to be if I wanted to be a good man. Um, but all of a sudden, seeing this family and seeing their dynamic, it changed something in me to what was possible. And then I got invited to Burning Man. Um, are you familiar with Burning Man? Yeah, but please share because there might be a lot of people in the audience that might not have heard of it. Right, right. Okay, so Burning Man is a very large festival in the middle of the, the Nevada desert. And I'll spare the history, but it started with a guy who was in divorce and he built an effigy of, of himself because he wanted to burn the man he had been in order to create space for a new man, right? Fast forward 15 years when I show up with the group of people who I'm with, the tuna guys, we catch a bunch of tuna fish and then take it there and give it away because once you're on the playa, you can't buy anything except for ice and coffee. You have to completely come self-sufficient, everything you need from your water to your clothing to your storage. I mean, there's nothing there. It's a dry lake bed when you get there. And within a week, it turns into this bustling metropolis of individuals who have brought artworks from all over the world and they brought their crafts and their cares and their gifts. And there's music and there's dancing and fire dancing. And it's like a whole nother world just going there, right? Let alone the fact that it's a gifting economy. You cannot buy anything. So everybody brings more than they need so that they can share the extra. That way, everybody has more than they need. And just that understanding that there were people out there all over the world who were willing to come together and share just for the sake of sharing. That is a concept that I'd never had before. I'd never been given anything. I had never seen anybody take care of somebody else without holding it over their head. You know, that classic narcissistic relationship is all I had been privy to in my life. And so to see people coming to a place where they were, first of all, working all year, right, to be able to afford or to be able to build or to create. And when I say art structures, I mean stuff you can climb on, like multiple stories high and they burn a lot of it at the end. And that in itself was a transformational awareness of there are people out there who simply care, right? And if I can be someone who cares, then that's gonna be better. And so that was really a shift of where, like I say, um, that's when I became a citizen. That's when I chose to become a product of my past instead of a victim to it. 
And so even though I had understood what had happened on that rooftop, it wasn't until multiple years later where I realized like, oh, this is what that's about. It's about taking who you were, what you've experienced and helping move others forward. And so in that, the three years that I went to Burning Man, I also experienced um, a new name, right? So my name, Occam, came from Burning Man. I was born Timothy Wood. Actually, I was born Benjamin, but then my mom changed it to Timothy. And then it, when I went to Burning Man and I had been sober off of methamphetamines for two years, um, this woman was like, do you know Occam's Razor? And I was like, yeah, the simplest solution is most often the correct, right? Because I was running around fixing problems. And she's like, that should be your playa name. And I was like, cool, you know, and a playa name is just like alternate ego so you can go get crazy and not worry about it. But for me, it really stuck. And the Aboriginal peoples, they choose their adult name. They choose what they want to be called when they decide to be a, pro a citizen, when they decide to what they're going to do and what they're going to provide for the community. And so it just stuck. And no one calls me Timothy anymore. I've been Occam for over 20 years now. And uh, it just really gave me this possibility to do things differently, see things differently, step out of what I had been programmed with and, 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 and exercise new options. And... So those three years at Burning Man really wrapped me up in a way of that's where I felt unconditional love, right? That's where I understood that we're all connected. That's where I understood that there are people out there that wish to do good in the world. And if I have to go all year, all two years, three years to meet one of them, it's still worth it to be alive for the opportunity to meet some of these other special characters. And then from there on, it was a journey. You know, I got my girlfriend, now wife, at 25, I stopped smoking cigarettes, which had been a 13-year habit at that point. And uh, it was just so, so much. So I stopped smoking cigarettes and hooked up with my wife and stopped sleeping around. I'd never told anybody I loved them until I met my wife. And then 10 years free from liquor, five from beer, and then two from marijuana just recently. And I brought that back in as a, as a ceremonial um, exchange. But uh, everything just really slowly progressed through that journey of deciding this doesn't serve me, this doesn't serve me, this doesn't serve me. And then the real big rocket propulsion forward came about eight years ago when I sat with the ayahuasca medicine. Oh, my goodness. Don't keep us hanging. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... <laughs> So at 33, my son was um, two and a half years old and he had stopped talking. So he was born neurotypical, but at the age of two and a half, two stopped talking and by three was fully autistic, fully not looking you in the eye, not answering his name, like textbook, low, 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 low end of the spectrum. And uh, I was a cannabis grower. So I was growing big cannabis plants, you know, fueling the, fueling the industry that was legal at that point, all through the medical and everything. Um, but everything sucked. I mean, everything sucked. I was depressed. My wife was depressed. My son was apparently depressed. My roommate was about to, was, had tried to commit suicide. Like everything was going crazy. And I thought, I need a change. Like I need something to shift. I'm ready to burn this all down and leave town with the money I got in my pockets and see if I can make it. And if my wife comes, great. If not, then I've failed as a father again, but I've got to change something. I cannot continue on like this. And like literally the next day, I got a call from a friend who was like, I need your help. 
and this is a woman who I worked with on a growth scene. And so I assumed that she needed me to help her do go do a deal or something. I was a pistol packing redneck at that time, you know, like, so I thought she wanted a masculine figure to come with her for protection. But when she got there, um, and I'm going to try to make this as short as possible, but the story is like so incredibly unique. Um, when she got there, she's like, you don't need your guns, but if you have any crystals, grab those. And literally like, I'm, like my, she just calls and is like, we need to go for a drive. Right. And where, Oh, to the coast. So this is the middle of the night, like 10 o'clock at night. She comes by and she's like, I need you to come with me. And so I look at my wife and I'm like, I need to go with her. And she's this beautiful native American woman, you know? And so my wife took quite a bit of faith on my wife's part to let me on that car. Um, but we took the trip. I'm not going to tell you what happened except that, she had to do a ceremony and when i asked her why she chose me to hold space for her um she said the ayahuasca had shown her that i was the one who was going to be able to protect her while she worked out this spiritual warfare that she was in and uh, i was like okay like we've never talked about spirituality we've never talked about crystals but okay and so the two hour drive home, she's telling me about what ayahuasca is. And for those of you who don't know, ayahuasca comes from the jungle of Amazon, the Amazon jungle. And it's a, a DMT effect, but one plant has the DMT, the other plant has an AOI inhibitor because we're all made to ingest DMT. It's in everything in small amounts. And if you smoke it, you have this rocket ship effect, but then your body metabolizes it. So when you mix these two plants, it turns that rocket ship 15 minute earth shattering psychedelic experience into an eight hour psychotherapy journey with a psychedelic twist. And the fact that those two plants don't even grow next to each other, right? So the people a thousand years ago spoke enough to the medicine and they're like, mix this and this, and you're going to talk to God. Very interesting, right? And so I'm like, wow, that's really neat. Maybe I should try it. And she says, well, I'm really glad because they told me that in order to pay you for helping me, I needed to bring you to the medicine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so the next weekend, they're having a ceremony. It happened to be my birthday, third birthday. And so I went and sat with ayahuasca. And I will spare you the details of that story because that's another hour-long story i could tell you about what that experience was like but the gist of it is that i spoke to spirit for the first time ever um the ayahuasca medicine has a specific energetic spirit associated with it and um, when you go into that experience that altered state many many people come into a conversation with that divinity and that happened to me as well i was asking Show me my path. Show me my path. Show me my path. That was my prayer. Right? Just show me how, where I want to go. I want to change my life. I'm here to have this amazing mind shattering thing. Take me to where I show me where I need to go. And uh, like I said, long story, she told me, I can show you anything. Or no, first she says, she says, do you think you're going to see your future in a cup of tea? And I'm like, I opened my eyes. I'm like, what? I, you know, I'm looking around. I was like, yeah, I thought that's what this was. She says, and, and everything was still at that point too. Even the guy walking back to the altar was like paused in time. And she says, I can show you anything, but when you walk out that door, you choose to go left or right. She's like, you have to make choices every single step of the way to stay on the path. I was like, well, how do I know the path? And she says, you know the path. All you have to do is quit clouding your vision and you'll be able to walk it. 
And so again, long conversation basically breaks down to, I need to stop smoking pot and growing pot and move into my natural state, which is the healer. And so several more of those sessions, she really initiated me into some of the things I'd already known in the past, but in new ways. So basically I went to dream school every night for about six months. And in those experiences, I would see any number of things, including conversations with Archangel Michael and um, and my guide, my father, as well as just random things that I didn't understand until I translated them later, like entities and addictions and thought forms and energy fields and how we're basically our physical body is a result of our energetic body you know and i saw many many past life experiences one i would be um a native american getting my skull crushed in with the boot of a calvary man the next night i'd be a calvary man burning a village one night i'd be the woman running from the nazis they get shot in the field the next night i'd be the nazi general you know firing on a squad um the mountain man who is skinning the mountain lion the mountain lion chasing the mountain man and on and on and on and on and on and all of these things were to show me the duality of nature and our understanding of our past lives and multiple timelines and so a lot it was really crazy i mean honestly anybody that heard me for the first year this was happening probably thought i was totally batshit crazy because i was saying things that i almost didn't understand myself but i did get my my reattuned to reiki too and then i took a course called the hands of light by barbara brennan and it is a fantastic textbook on the energy body. So I highly suggest anybody who wants to know more about our fields and how our thoughts and stuff interact with our physical being, highly suggest checking out that, that series. Um, and then it was about two years after that that I started doing sessions, but my son got really, really bad really really bad with his autism and diet and everything and my wife was like really not handling it well still working full-time doing the marijuana and trying to do sessions at the same time and so she was home alone all the time with this child you know 20 hours a day sometimes she'd be home alone with this child who was not communicating and was you know and uh so I took a break off of it, and I think that break actually even helped me more understand what life is like when you're not tapped into it, right? So I had this I had this moment of zen where I was in the flow and I was following my guidance and I was doing the thing, and then I fell off that wagon, started smoking pot, coping with things the old way, and I lost that connection. But then again, when I got back to it, it was actually um, 2000. 21 i think because the year of the pandemic we moved into a little barn because uh, my wife and i kind of saw things happening before mainstream media saw it and uh, we had started to we're like we're downsizing we're not going to be paying 1200 a month rent right so we moved in this little tiny barn little tiny property but it was super peaceful we probably had the best year ever while everybody else was freaking out about the pandemic because we were already living an autistic life. We already didn't have friends. We already don't go to events. We already shop once a month. <laughs> you know, we already, you know, we already don't go out. So um, that year was when I really decided I was feeling the call. I was feeling the call to get back in it. And just the pandemic itself, I took it as a big sign that the world was seeking healing. And uh, so I dedicated myself that that would be the last year I smoked. And then I, I quit smoking on January 1st. And by January 4th, I had a client call, an uh, old client call and say they needed a session. 
And so it was literally like I made the commitment and made the action. And then immediately the universe was like, we have been waiting to feed you people so that you can do this. And the first person I did a session for normal Reiki session, second person I did a Reiki session for it turned into something completely different. It went from being like your normal one hour Reiki session that you get at any day spot to a four hour life altering deep dive into the timelines and the thought forms and the entities. And he was like, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I wanted to work with you two years ago, but I was told you weren't ready. This session right here tells me you're ready. He's like, would you like to start doing long distance sessions? I said, I'm technically, I'm trained to do that, but I never have. And he's like, no, you're supposed to be doing long distance sessions. So he referred me to a, to somebody. And again, following the guidance of, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? So I'm gonna enter zero point and allow things to flow. Five hour session, insane amount of energy moving. As close to a ayahuasca experience as the woman had ever had, right? And she was a really wonderful, powerful person because she had been an energy healer. And she'd gone, she'd traveled the world, spent her whole life, the last 20 years traveling and seeing every shaman on every hill, every jungle that she could get into. And I don't know if I'd be here right now if it weren't for her, honestly, because when she told me that what she experienced was unlike anything she'd experienced from any master on any continent of any journey that she'd ever been on, I was like, whoa, really? And she's like, yeah, this is something else, you know? And I did a couple more sessions with her and then the people just started coming, just started calling. And I was incredibly busy that first year and I was just doing it by donation. So I was getting 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, hundred bucks there for these three, four, five hour epic changing sessions that were leaving people with like their eczema disappearing, fibromyalgia going away, weaning off of, of, of pain and depression medication. Uh, one woman was able to start walking even after a session, right? And I don't work on the physical body. I work only on the energetics, but the energetics are what makes the physical body. And so that is how it started to be what it is now is the trauma transmutation soul integration system. And again, that's a much longer prelude into that. And I forgot what you even asked me about the story that started me on this journey, but uh, that's that's how we got to today, basically. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. That is pretty wild. I mean, that's a lot of stuff happening in kind of a compressed time. I know you said it's taken a while, but like in sharing your story, it definitely feels like things happen in a you know pretty truncated amount of time. So this kind of modality that you were doing that you started was it just pulling from things that you had learned like how did it even mm -hmm. come through like share with me like what that was well it was definitely a little bit of it was definitely like sub programming right i was really lucky that my mom was actually in my teenage years she got into science of mind right so wayne dyer um ernest holmes right uh, florence scoville shin she was really into those authors. And so Wayne Dyer, it seems like Wayne Dyer was probably playing on the background in a cassette like all the time. <laughs> and so I'd understood these things, but I'd never like practiced them. And so I think it was easier for me to step into that because my mom had always talked about 
how there are spirits and she was into crystals not when i was young young but by the time i was a little older she was into crystals and angels and that kind of stuff and so it made it easy for me and then i love bruce lipton and uh, uh joe dispenza um you know those kind of guys like four agreement don miguel ruiz you know i picked up some of those things you know where you just start to see presentations and webinars and and videos and movies gaia was really 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 important after that first ceremony with ayahuasca i got hooked on gaia and so as i was like i'd have a crazy dream then i'd see a show where someone would be channeling some arcturian and get some message i'm like that's what it is that's what i saw last night you know and so it was this beautiful combination of firstly admitting that I don't know anything. I think that was the number one most important factor. I wasn't trained. I wasn't taught. I didn't have a textbook to say, do this, do this, do this, do this. I allowed myself to completely check my ego at the door and enter that first session after an hour of meditation in a state of complete allowance knowing that whatever would happen would happen and honestly at that point i wasn't even like thinking back to all those dreamscapes and all those different experiences right it was just like i don't know anything i'm just gonna let it flow and, I'm, and and words came out of my mouth that i didn't know um you know i started channeling people uh, past people aliens not not so many aliens but angels and ancestors and even the traumas themselves have started to speak to me and so it's really about getting into a state of just letting it be and what it's developed into over the last three years, um, it's kind of funny because when I first was like, I want to share this with you, I want to talk about it, and I want to ask people questions, and I kept getting like, no, no, no. Don't go seeking anything else. Don't let anybody influence what you're doing. If you say this is an entity, don't let other people say, that's not what entities are, or that's not what the sixth dimension is, or that's not what that chakra does. You know, like it was really, really shown to me that I actually needed to stop the input for a while so that I could follow my own intuitive guidance. And once I did that, that's when the bars started to click into place and everything started to happen. And now just recently, within the last six months, I've actually been told now that you have the confidence to talk about this stuff in the face of a Christian or a scientist or somebody who's going to combat your every word, but you have the confidence and the testimonials and the history and the proof of everything working. Now it's time to take it out to the masses. Now it's time to get on stages. Now it's time to collaborate with other coaches. Um, because one thing I know is that what I do is uniquely myself, but I don't do the other stuff. I don't do the astrology. I don't do the human design. I don't do nutrition and crystal stuff. I want to save my brain space for what I do and honor others for what they do. So instead of like, I'm going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, I've just decided like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm learning. I can bring up, pick up some tools and stuff along the way and even some certifications. Um, but ultimately it's about knowing that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And now getting to share that with other people feels really, really comfortable. Wow, I love that so much, Akam. This is just very wild, your story. I hope at some point you're going to write a book and share because this is really some interesting things that happened um, in your life up to date. So uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, you talked about, I think you call it dream school. I mean, that almost sounds like how people do like QHHT or BQ8 sessions where you're doing like a lot of like almost like 
past life regression and kind mm -hmm. of really dipping into those things. So was that actually a school? Did I hear you right? Was that actually a program? No, no, it's just, I only call it dream school because every morning I'd wake up and be like, that was a new lesson, you know? Um, it wasn't a school per se, but it was, I think it was my school. I think it was, I think it was basically the way that my um, team was able to speak to me through that dream, dreamscape. And I call it dream school um, just because, like I said, it just felt like every day I woke up, I'd just been in class. Wow, I love that. So, you know, because you've had a lot of, and you shared a little bit about this, you know, let's say trauma, abuse, your own life experiences, choices that you made, like hanging out on the dark side, almost attempting to kill yourself. Um, so as you were kind of, kind of moving into the space of like, no, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to really step into and lean into my healing abilities. How were you kind of like healing yourself? Was it all just a process that was from like everything from the dreams to help you kind of see and then say, okay, what do I need to heal? Like, were you getting help from other people or were you being able to oh, help yeah. yourself? Oh yeah, for sure. No, in the beginning it was, I was really leaning on other people. Um, and I have this saying, which I think rings true for everybody, is that you can't read the label from inside the bottle. It's not mine. I heard it on Clubhouse. So I'm not like, they didn't invent it. But it's the truest dang statement I ever heard, is you can't read the label from inside the bottle. You can't pour into your own cup. So when I was in those early stages, it really had a lot to do with my teacher, um, the actual flesh in flesh teacher, Andrea Kremko, the one who gave me my second degree Reiki um, certification. And then just the conversations, right? I was still trimming a lot. So once a year when the plants come down, you trim them up and get them ready for market. And at any given trim scene, there can be anywhere between 10 and 30 people from all over the world. And so getting to have like, you guys wouldn't believe what I dreamed last night, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, that totally sounds like what uh, this person says, or, oh, you should go check out this person, you know, and I would do that. And so I was picking up little bits and pieces. Um, but the healing of myself, it was long and slow. And I think those first um, 15 years were really important. The quitting of the smoking and the dedication to my wife was one thing, you know, and then moving on and realizing that alcohol was also negative. This, the birth of my son needing me to step up and be a better father than I was the first time. You know, you start to ask yourself, what is a man? What is a father? What is an honoring, you know, partner? What is a spouse? And um, then the Reiki helped a lot the Reiki and the, and the understanding of my own trauma. And interestingly enough, even that, even that trauma, I think was an education, right? Um, one of the times I was having this conversation with my teacher and I was like, man, I wish I had stayed with my dad. Cause apparently when I met my dad on his deathbed, I found out that he, like I flew to see him. He wanted to say sorry. So I went and saw him in person and uh, realized that he was an amazing healer. He was a shaman amongst himself. Like he worked with the Native American church. His his voice was the voice of, or uh, the voice of thunder was his was his native name because he had this really deep voice. And it was like so he's a hypnotherapist. He was a quantum healer. He did these things where he would dive into the body. And like all through the nineties, he was traveling around the world with this other woman who had this uh, medical intuitive thing, and he was like backing her up. And when I, when I saw him, you know, he, he passed out one day and I was looking through his stuff and, and my stepmom shared with me these three big binders of thank you letters of people that he had helped. And all of a sudden I was just like, whoa, you know, that's crazy. And I didn't really think about that 
much until after this ayahuasca, you know, and I was like, man, I kind of wish I had a gone with my dad because then I probably would have avoided all the physical abuse, definitely would have avoided the sexual abuse. My dad had alcohol and drug problems, so I might have not done that, but I could have been a healer this whole time, right? And she just looks me in the face. She's like, you don't ever regret. Don't you ever regret the lessons that you've gotten in your life? I was like, what do you mean? She says, I don't work with sexual, with sexual trauma. No one wants to hear about forgiveness from somebody who's never been raped. And I don't work with alcoholics and, and addiction because no one wants to hear about sobriety from somebody who's never had a drink. She's like, you are specifically and uniquely trained in order to hold the kind of space and understand the frequencies of the individuals who are going to come with you with the darkest of the dark and the deepest of the deep. And they're going to need someone who can stand in the face and go toe to toe, nose to nose with demons and not flinch. And I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. And uh, sure enough, that has been, that has, that has shown to be true. I get the, I don't want to say the worst of the worst, but I generally get the darkest of the dark. The people who have had no help elsewhere and haven't been able to have a space where they can fully, fully dive into who they are and what they need in a space without judgment, because even pity is judgment. Right. And so I don't pity people. I don't, I don't coddle people and I don't dismiss people. It's just a matter of creating a space where each person can feel what it's truly like to be unconditionally loved and know that no matter what you say or do, you're going to be met with a level of respect that maybe you never have in your entire life. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question either. I think I got a little derailed again, but <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And I love what you're sharing, Akam, because, you know, this is what I've heard from some others also that I've interviewed where, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't always understand the things that we go through, but it's almost like it's all perfectly aligned because mm -hmm. when you step into that place of being a healer and ready to be of service, it's almost like the universe is just waiting when you're ready, like all those people that are meant specifically for you will find you. So because I was talking to like, you know, the the person that I interviewed last and I said, because he does very specific work, he does a lot of entity removal. I'm like, well, how do people find you? Because there's so many practitioners, but he's like, yeah, they find me. So the same way your clients, the people that are meant to work with you they all find you the universe guides them to you because you have that specific unique set of experiences that completely connects and also makes them comfortable right like you said so if i come to you with like 10 things and i'm like well i don't know if he's experienced any of this you know what i mean it just mm -hmm. it, there there's something that doesn't feel complete but it's like when someone says listen I've lived through these experiences. Trust me, I know, I believe, and I'm here to hold and support you in a way that you might not have been able to find somewhere else. So I absolutely love that. And indeed, it, you know, you've done enough of your work where now you can look back and say, wow, yeah. You know, and to not be triggered. That's the big thing with people who are like, I want to be a healer. It's like, well, you better heal yourself first because someone's going to say something and trigger you back to when you're three years old. You're not going to do them any service, you know? Um, and I love the fact that you just talked to somebody else who does entity removals because I do entity removals, right? But there's a very good chance that we go about it in very different ways. And that is because out of the 8 billion people that are here, 
Some are mentally focused, some are emotionally focused, some are spiritually focused. And by addressing them in different ways, you actually can, it's like just giving yourself multiple ways to solve the Rubik's cube, right? Like there is technically only one way you move these things the same way every time and you'll fix it. But each person has multiple cubes. And so each person's going to have the ability to move that technique here and, and, and say these words here, have that pass here, have that guide here. And so, yeah, each one of us is so incredibly, incredibly unique that there is no, like, it's, why it's always funny because like healing, energy healing is one of the few businesses where there's no competition, right? Like you could literally get a healing from me, go get a healing from somebody else, go get a healing from somebody else and have dealt with three different things. And all of those have been good and great and neither none of them wrong you know or you can go to one person and never need any more work again it's just the luck of the draw it's about harmonizing and resonating with that person or that modality that is best suited for you wow i love that so much and i think that's kind of what i was kind of also alluding to it's like you have your you know unique custom modality that's like occam's way of doing something right and it's got all of your flavor because it brings all of your life experiences and knowledge um and i think that's so amazing because even though you have learned from other people you've taken all these different tools and kind of created your own signature so yeah. i absolutely love that and um, I mean, my goodness, we've talked about so many things. Um, I would love for you to share because I know that you've kind of embarked on another adventure in terms of your work, however we want to call it. So if you'd like to share a little bit about that, we'd be sure to share with the audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely would love to share what a TTSI experience is like. That's the trauma transmutation soul integration session. Um, it's one of those funny things, you know, everybody says like in business, you need to find a niche but it's really hard to find a niche when everybody could use your service. And so I don't help a specific person. I help heart centered change makers. That's about as specific as I can get. <laughs> if you're really into your heart space and you really want to do good and you're just not happy with how things are, you want change. You want to change your family cycles. You want to change your personal cycles. You want to change your relationship cycles. Um, this is so powerful because what we're doing is we're taking the trauma really inverting it, alchemizing it into something that can be utilized so that you can bring in the soul integration, which is your, your message, right? Your spirit, that, that thing that you're supposed to be doing before you got distracted being a human, you know, or not necessarily the thing you're supposed to be doing. Cause then that's a whole nother long conversation about free will and destiny, but let's just say there's opportunities for you to experience, right? And you can choose to have that or not. So what I do is I help people to identify the original wounding, by tapping into source and bringing source into the body free from their belief system. So I'll try to break this down as quickly as possible. The reason that it works is because, and this is what I learned in dream school as well, is that the physical body is a result of the energy body. Our energy body is constantly condensing down energy into matter, waves into particles, right? And our body is still 99% space. That's how hard it is to condense down matter. But our oversoul, that part of us that is connected to everything, knows everything, and has this desire for input and information, condenses down energy into this physical body, this physical body, so that we can have a, a vehicle, a vessel to experience three-dimensional reality. Because in the fifth and sixth, there is no pain, there's no suffering, there's only oneness and connection and unity, and it's really boring. <laughs> for eternity, it's really boring, right, to have just everything 
be. And so we come here to have these experiences of loss and pain and suffering. And that's why I say I was blessed with a traumatic childhood because that's what I chose this time. I must have been a god or a king or something in a past life to be able to come down and be like, I'm bored with having everything I need. Put me in this situation. So as the energy body condenses down into the physical body, it goes through our ego field. And our ego field is where everything that has ever happened to us lives. Anything that ever happened to us uh, in a lower emotion is a, is, a, is a low frequency and a high emotion is high frequency. So emotion, energy, in motion. And I love what Gabor Mate says is that trauma is not the thing that's happening to you. It's the thing that happens inside of you as a result of what's happening to you. And I would take that a little bit farther and say it's actually what you decide about reality in regards to what's happened to you. Because when you have an experience, you choose good or bad, right? Trauma is not universal. Trauma is, is not finite. There's a grand scale, big traumas, little traumas, uh, and they all affect us differently. But it doesn't matter what the trauma is because the trauma interferes with the signal. The trauma, that lower vibrational energy interferes with the signal. So as the energy is coming in, pure white light, it hits this prism of, of lies, of doubt, of fear, of shame, of guilt of judgment and it imprints upon us who we think we are i'm strong i'm brave i'm i'm straight i'm gay i'm uh, i like horses i i like cars like whatever you know and it tells us everything we know about our, our reality everything we've picked up from the time we were born to the time we're seven years old is sitting out here informing us dogs are dogs are good or dogs are bad you know men are manipulative women are are, are uh, cheaters so many things that we experience in our life get imprinted into this field and as that energy comes in through the field, it imprints that energy on our body and we, and we project that out and resonate a reality to us that says yes to these beliefs. And as we have these beliefs coming back to us, yes, I, I knew it, this person was going to cheat on me again or down this car or that boss or whatever, the kids, the moms, whatever. It's getting this feedback loop. So not only is it stopping energy from coming in, but it's also getting energy when you have judgments and self-shame and self-doubt and regrets. And they build and build and build. And so they go from something that you kind of might believe to something that you absolutely truly believe, which is a construct. And as they accumulate energy, they actually gain a low level of consciousness. And this consciousness is similar to a parasite. And so it's not malicious. It's not evil. It's not from hell. It literally, I mean, there are like the interdimensional beings that are associated with methamphetamines and cigarettes and alcohol. That's a whole other conversation. These are all just like self-developed things that are in our field. And uh, they actually gain a low level of consciousness and they manipulate the way that the energy is coming in so that we continue to make choices that basically sacrifice our higher good in order to cultivate and harvest these lower vibrational thoughts, feelings. And, and actions. So what I do is I help people to identify, first of all, where that original wound was, because I bring in the energy around those traumas. I bring it in away from the lies and the expectations of what you've known your entire life so that the truth can finally come in and so that you can actually have the truth, the light of truth shining onto the darkness and the shadows of what you've expected. And once that happens, it's magnificent how fast we can go to like, oh, that original thing. I didn't know that when my dad told me I was eating like a piggy, that that's what triggered my eating disorder. You know, I didn't know that when my mom told me to sit down and shut up, that that's why I can't make a sale in my business because my throat was, my voice was taken, right? And so we start to see the original wound 
And the session, like I said, is four hours long. We go all the way through the physical body, the chakras and the mental. And uh, all the while laying out a pathway of why you've got, how you've gotten to where you are. Once we understand what the original wound was. Yeah, so part of bringing the energy into the system is, is a way of shining a light on the different things. And so you start to see them differently because now you're not looking through the lens that you've always looked through. You, you're tapped into the truth. And so that light of truth shines into the shadows and you can see oh i choose to believe that now or i choose to take another belief from that and that's what really alchemizes the energy and then like i said i the body's so high vibe at that point that most of these lower vibrational energies and entities aren't comfortable anymore and your energy's flowing so good that you can actually release them as opposed to just like i'm just going to cut a cord and have a nice day um and by doing it this way and then i don't know i don't think you heard the portal thing right so i use portals um i use a portal to connect myself and the client outside of space and time so this allows for us to have instantaneous feedback this is all done with sacred geometry and ancient technologies and so i also have a pyramid with a portal at the top of it around my building and around any client that i do and that portal is a rolodex portal so once we've addressed the entity, maybe even had a conversation with it about what it needed to share or what it needs to know before it goes, or what you need to know from it before it can go, I should say, um, then we're able to let it release. And as it goes to that portal, that portal is, um, I call it the Rolodex portal. And some kid the other day had the audacity to say, I don't know what a Rolodex is. Uh, but it's a, it's a constantly shifting to whatever frequency matches it. So when the entity, whether it's grandpa that's just lost and forgot he was supposed to go back to his soul team or the squirrel that got hit down the road. Um, these entities are, are drawn into the portal and that portal will take them to wherever they need to go. So I don't need to know if they go to Mars or the Orion or if they go to the past timeline or the future timeline, heaven or hell. I don't even know what all 12 dimensions are. Right. But luckily this portal is developed. I've created this portal so that it knows it, 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 synchronizes harmonizes and sends them to exactly where they're supposed to be because all of them are feeding off of us out of just habit and and, and natural instinct right like they don't they're not malicious most, most of them are not malicious um so yeah and then after that we, we release everything and then i make sure to charge the people back up so we bring in the christ consciousness fill all the voids that we just created by releasing these things so that the person isn't wanton and then um i offer a week long week worth of support during the transition and the integration and then a two-hour follow-up which is closer to the spa day where i bust out the singing bowls and we just tune everything up and talk about how things have changed because usually when your vibration rises up things tend to shake away and get a little bit more wild when you when you start to choose your reality you know Wow, wow, wow. I love the detail that you offered and uh, just really kind of explaining the process because I think that's really valuable. And I what I love about this is that you literally are taking all these different things and kind of like we were talking before combining and creating this sort of like experience uh, that is obviously super powerful. I can't even imagine um, how, how life altering um, this can be with your clients. So I just am so grateful that you are 
totally doing this kind of work to support others. And after all the work you've done on yourself that you're at this place. So it's super exciting. And I'm so excited that my audience is getting a chance to listen to all of this amazing information. So thank you so much for sharing. And of course, all of Occam's information will be in the bio section. So I would love for people to look him up. He's got so many interesting things going on. And you know, just learning his story. Like I think for me, one of the key things with this is when we are in that process of our healing journey, we do need support and we do need help. And it's really important to find the right people that are the right match for you. Because like you said, there's like hundreds and thousands of people out there, but that mm -hmm. there's someone who's gonna be a really great fit for you. And not just one, there's probably multiple people, but this is part of like sharing what, the different healing modalities people are dabbling in so that you can say, wow, I think that would be a really good fit. That would be a really good match. And, and I think even if someone reached out to you, you would know if this is the right kind of client or person for you to engage with. So, yeah. And I take pride in not taking clients that I don't think are ready or don't necessarily need my help. That's why I love my personal uh, referral network you know the people who i can send people to because like i said some people are not not meant for some people um and that's why i have such a high success ratio because i don't i get the sense of like you're not ready for like like let's not run you through the ringer and leave you you know hurting more than you got so um yeah it's all about knowing knowing your lane and knowing who you can help and and not needing to sell you know just serve and and being open for that I love that. Oh my gosh. Akam, you and I could just go on and on and on. I know we've already like been talking for close to an hour. I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much to like dig into. But I love this because it gives people enough of a flavor of who you are and what you are doing. And, uh, you know, and that's the purpose of this is to really uh, showcase journeys as well as obviously share with people, you know, what you're up to so that they can find you and connect with you. So, and there is one more place. There's one more place they can, they can also follow me because one other thing that I have just started doing is I, I partnered up with Jess Rich and yes. we're running the Soul Crew community. And so that's actually been really powerful way to help more people in a, in a, in a longer scape. And so that's a really powerful community too, for neuro quirky, um, spiritual people who are seeking to be seen and heard and understood and like to produce and to create and to have businesses and relationships. And, uh, we do, we do writing in there. We do well-being, business building and the spiritual, um, metaphysical mastery. So if someone's interested in just, um, you know, checking that out as well. It's a really powerful community and we're having so many, so many shifts and transitions for people just so fast. It's really fun. I love that. Well, we'll make sure that that's linked in your bio as well so that people can find that. I think that'll be amazing. Um, so we're coming to that place, uh, you know, towards the end of the show. And I was going to ask if there's anything you wanted to share, whether it's a card pull, a message, anything you feel joyful to share as a collective message. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'd mentioned that I thought I might. Um, I'd kind of like to channel maybe just uh, five minutes to whoever is listening, if that's okay. Let's do it. Okay. So, and uh, the reason I love Reiki, right, is because you, it can transcend time, transcend space. It can be multiplied. It can be divided. It's really self-regulating self-correcting type of energy so if anybody out there has ever heard like oh reiki is the devil don't listen to him because it can do no harm 
It can do no harm. It can do no harm. Okay. <laughs> so that being said, I would like anybody who is listening to this um, now or in the future to simply tap into yourself. And if you would like, just give permission to receive what's coming and whatever gets sent out in this moment will be um, stored in the ether and will be accessible at any time that you uh, choose to receive it. So <clears throat> as we tap in, I just want to call in on my angels, ancestors, elementals, and Akashic keepers to bring forth any messages, vibration, frequency, or knowledge that may be imperative or important for anybody listening right now. And as I open this channel and connect with each of you, simply want to let you know that you are loved and that you are worthy of love. And that you are in a perfect, perfect moment. And as I connect with you now, I send out energy. Energy to the root chakra. Spinning it in the right direction, adding energy, adding grounding, visualizing the light entering the root chakra and sending many, many roots down the legs, out the tailbone, into the earth, all the way down to the core of the earth, where it taps into the Mother Gaia and her abundance of energy. Those roots now returning that energy to the root chakra. As the energy enters the root chakra again, it is now channeled into the golden channel, the Kundalini channel, the spinal column. As it progresses up out of this root chakra, you start to feel secure and safe and provided for. As you move forward to the sacral chakra, the orange chakra located just below the belly button. This is the chakra of family relation, of creativity, reproductivity. As the energy flows through this space, you may feel a tingling in the abdomen. You may start to get flashes of laughter and joy. You may get inclinations or intuitions over what activities to partake that may bring you back to this creative space, this childhood space where all is well. And you can create it with ease and clarity and authenticity. And as that chakra now lights up fully, sending the energy up through the solar plexus, the yellow chakra, at the base of the rib cage. This chakra responsible for the power, your ability to produce, your ability to stand in your knowing. This beautiful power point between the creativity of the soul of the sacral and the heart. This is like the gatekeeper for the earthly energies. And as it fills, you start to feel a lightning and a softening of your shell. As you start to realize that in order to be strong and powerful, you do not have to be stiff and rigid. Soft and supple is the way of water. So too should it be with you and your power center. As the power moves through this solar plexus chakra into the heart, your heart chakra starts to swell. You may even feel the pounding in your chest as your heart starts to 
metabolize and alchemize this energy. There may be darkness here. There may be pain. There may be weight. So, so many of us have had scars in our heart from circumstances and people that have hurt us intentionally or unintentionally. And as this light moves through the heart space, allow it to heal, allow it to mend, allow it to patch and buff any flaws, any dings, any dents, any scratches, any scrapes, so that you may feel whole, complete, and full, and that that creativity and power and grounding and security can now flow through the heart space and out into the world, as this is where we project and the heart is a catalyst, heart is the cauldron of truth. All lies burn in the heart. As the energy moves from the heart to the throat, <clears throat> you may feel some tightness here as I do now. Because so many of us have been silenced for so long. Made to feel that we had to do a certain thing or be a certain thing or look a certain way to fit in. Your throat is asking you to be authentic. Your throat is asking you to allow the creativity and the power and the security that is now flowing through your heart into that throat chakra, into the throat of your body, that you may express your desires, express your needs, express your wants, and express your truth without judgment of yourself or others. Truly feeling empowered now to speak your truth and to give your good deeds. The energy flows up to the third eye. The third eye, right in the forehead. This is that chakra that allows us to see not only the future, but our connection to source, how we see ourselves in the collective and how we see ourselves in connection to God. And with this energy flowing through all the rest of the chakras and now reaching the third eye, it empowers you to release any limiting thoughts, any blinding ideas. Any judgments that you've made about yourself or others that keep you from your truth, that keep you from expressing your love, that keep you from expressing trust and identifying when you cannot trust. Because this third eye is just not all about letting it in. It's also about letting, knowing what not to let in. And as your third eye balances and harmonizes with the rest of your system, you feel confident that you will be able to step into any situation knowing that you are supposed to be there and that you will create what is needing to be created. And as that third eye fills with your vision, the energy moves into the crown chakra, out the top of the head. And as it reaches this crown chakra, it opens you to all the power, all of the wisdom and all of the knowledge of the universe. This is the space where we call on the Christ consciousness, the Buddha consciousness. This is where we bring in the universal life force and we match it with the earth force. As your chakra lightens and brightens, you may have preconceived notions about what spirituality is and you may find that they don't seem so steadfast anymore. You may be allowed to explore and enjoy your journey of contemplation and education in this realm knowing that you're connected to all of your ancestors, all of your angels, all of your elementals, and all of your Akasha keepers through this chakra. Now that the energy is flowing through the crown chakra, the universal force energy from above starts to enter the crown chakra. 
all the way down to the heart. So you now have astral energy and earth energy combining in the cauldron that is the heart chakra. This is where your truth lives. This is where your knowing can be found. This is where you will check in to seek the answers and the direction that you want. This is the space that can help to guide you to the easiest, smoothest path. And as this energy reaches the heart chakra, it projects out along the horizontal and then up and down around the outside of your energy field, creating a beautiful, harmonistic tie-dye effect of energy, light, color, frequency, vibration, all swirling around in a protective state, connecting you to yourself and to source and to others in a safe and secure way so that you know you can go out and not be depleted. You can go out and not only will you not be depleted, but you can shine from this space. You can exude so much love, joy, and confidence from this place that you will no longer be affected by the judgments and expectations of others because you are now whole, you are now full, and you are now complete. And you can return to this state at any time simply with the asking of it, with the requesting of it, and with the desire of it. This is your true state, balance, harmony, and flow. Take a few deep breaths and just let that sink in. And as you're now compassed in this light, you feel the warmth that you haven't felt since you were in the womb, a kind of protection and safety that you've not felt since you were incarnated. And you can always come back to this place. And this is where you can ask for guidance. This is where you can ask for healing. It's all yours. You deserve it. And you receive it. I see you. I see you as a perfect fractal of the infinite creative source doing exactly what you're supposed to do this time around. Collaborating and coercing with others. This is you now. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Now taking a few more breaths, allow your body to come back to the physical, your mind to come back to the physical, knowing that your state stays this way no matter what. And now as you start to come back to the physical, wiggling your toes, wiggling your fingers, remembering that you are a light being in a physical body. And this is all the game that you signed up for. And you're the one who gets to play. How lucky are you? Take this with you in good light, good harmony, good intention. <sighs> Amen. Ahomatakiasa. And so it is. Wow, that was so amazing, Occam. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that was a complete treat and gift. Oh my goodness. So amazing. I can't wait for people to just enjoy this experience so much. I was literally just like you said, I felt like I was in this warm, comfy, cozy bubble. And you are. 
That was so amazing, Akam. Thank you so much for sharing that with all of us. I well, absolutely uh, thank love you it. for co-creating it because I was completely channeled in the moment. So that was a creation of both of us. So thank you. I love that. Well, thank you again. This whole session was a co-creation with the two of us. So I'm so grateful uh, for you to come on and to share all of your experiences, your story, your gifts. And I'm so excited for people to be able to connect with you once they tune into this, whether it's, you know, when it comes out or on the replay and to enjoy this beautiful gift at the end. So I hope that everyone that's tuning in has received beautiful messages and insights and so many things that we've talked about today, including this beautiful healing at the end. So I just want to thank you, Occam, and I want to thank all of my beautiful listeners who tune in to listen to these episodes. So thank you so much. I want to thank you, Vanita. Thank you so much for being the first podcast that I've been on since I decided to to go public. And so thank you very much for being such a wonderful, gracious and gentle energy host. And I certainly hope that if anybody does choose to work with me, um, if they saw this video, I really hope that they make sure to mention that they saw me here so they can return the extra gratitude for you um, for holding this space and for allowing this to be a possibility. Oh, I'm so honored, Akam. And uh, like I said, everybody, I'm so grateful for all of you tuning in to this episode. And I can't wait to catch you all on the next episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Elevate with V. I'm super grateful for your precious time that you take to listen to these episodes. I hope that there were some valuable insights and tools to map onto your own journey. If you think that this content would be valuable for somebody else that you know, I would greatly appreciate you sharing it. If you have been loving this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would follow, rate five stars, and leave an amazing review on Apple Podcasts, and please follow and rate five stars on Spotify. Higher ratings and great reviews allows this content to get out to more people. Let's support each other and elevate together. Thank you again for spending your time listening and tuning in each week. I look forward to catching you on the next episode.